This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. What comes to mind when you hear the word friendship? What are the thoughts that are rolling around in your head? Perhaps for you, it's very easy to make friends. Maybe you've had very good experiences in the past and currently with friends. Or maybe for some of you, it's very difficult to make friends. And it has been that way for a long time. And perhaps you've even been hurt by people who you thought were friends, but they betrayed you. And you've been hurt, scarred, and there are deep wounds in the past that you still hold on to. The topic of friends is really interesting, but we're actually not left on our own. Scripture provides guidance when it comes to friendships. And last week we started a series through the book of Proverbs, which really highlights wisdom. And so today we're going to look at what the Proverbs has to say about friends. And I want us to look at this just from two angles, worldly friendship and biblical friendship. Worldly, worldly friendship and biblical friendship, and we're going to see the contrast between the two of them. So let's dive in first, worldly friendship. Uh, What you're going to see throughout the Proverbs as you read through them is that there is a contrast between wisdom and folly or foolishness. So one of the characteristics of a worldly friendship is one that is categorized by anger. Proverbs 22, verses 24 to 25 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Anger. What comes to mind when you think about that? Maybe it's the little red character from inside out just getting ready to explode at all times. But it's not pleasant being around someone who is always angry. Are you always angry? Bitter? Resenting different things or people? Or perhaps you've been the recipient of someone's anger and wrath that is not pleasant. 
And so the proverb says that if you make friends with someone like this, you can actually learn their ways. And you actually end up entangling yourself in a snare or a trap. You too become very angry. And you're just angry at anything and everything. Another characteristic is dishonesty. Proverbs 16, verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. One is one who is dishonest, who doesn't tell the truth, actually spreads strife or conflict or problems. And look what it's closely tied to a whisperer or a gossiper. In a few weeks, we're actually going to spend a whole sermon on the topic of gossip in the Proverbs. But notice how it's parallel with one who is dishonest. When there is gossip, sometimes there is some truth, and but it's mixed with untruth. Slander. And the world is really big on that. What's the hottest news? What do the tabloids say? What do the magazines say and talk about? But a worldly friendship that is centered on this is going to actually separate friends. If someone comes up to you and tells you something about someone that you thought was a close friend, and it was something that was difficult to hear, you might not want to be their friend anymore. It, it stirs up dissension and discord. And people then separate from one another and are no longer friends because of this. Are you one that constantly lies? Or even exaggerates the truth? Our speech, as we even saw last week, is so important. The words that come out of our mouth are powerful Another characteristic is folly. We've already talked about how there's a contrast in the Proverbs between wisdom and folly or foolishness. So Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. That those who are spending time with one another who are foolish 
you definitely do then rub off on one another. You do foolish and stupid and wicked things. I encourage you to do a a search and, and study and read through the Proverbs and you'll see it over and over and over again. That the fool will suffer harm. If you put your hand in the fire, you will get burned. But the fool wants to see how long or how close he or she can get to the fire without actually being burned. Another one is Proverbs 17, verse 9. It says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Have you had someone who has done that? They continue to do the same thing to you over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Constantly being mean to you, mistreating you. Someone that you thought was a friend. And maybe you excuse it because, hey, they're, they're a friend. Proverbs tells us that this actually separates close friends. That the world doesn't, doesn't really care about you. The world doesn't care if you like them or not. The world just wants you to submit to its desires. Proverbs 12, verse 26. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the the wicked leads them astray. If you have a friend who is Wicked and deceitful and evil, it can lead you astray. Because they want, the world wants you to do the same things that they are partaking in. They want you to be angry all the time, they want you to be dishonest and deceitful. Because perhaps that is the way to actually succeed in life. To lie, to steal, to cheat, to destroy others, to walk all over people. Those who are wicked not only lead others astray, but they lead themselves astray. These proverbs speak about these different problems on a horizontal level. That is, the, the conflict 
between human beings. Strife, being led astray. All these things are influenced by people with people. But there's, there's actually a much, much bigger problem than just on the horizontal level. Because we might even have enemies in our own lives. There might be people who consider you or you consider an enemy. But the problem is that the, the things that we see, how we interact with other people, that is just a symptom of something much bigger. And the truth is that we are born as enemies of God. We are, we're objects of his wrath. Hostile towards God, rebellious towards God. We have transgressed and broken his law and we stand as enemies before God. We were the ones who were dishonest in our speech. We are the ones who are quick to anger. <coughs> we are the ones who sometimes separate people, divide people. And it's because of that that we can see this in Proverbs 14, 12. That there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. That is the sum of it all. That we think we know what we're doing is good and right. But the problem is that all of our deeds, all of our wicked and evil deeds leads to death. And that is the just punishment for enemies of God. And so we stand condemned before a holy and just God. But there was one. There was one who did everything right. There was one who was never given into any unrighteous anger. There was one who was never dishonest in his speech. There was one that even though when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. There was one who was perfectly righteous, who actually spent time with sinners and did not become a sinner himself. There was one who was a friend of sinners. And he did something grand and amazing. Is that he pursued a cross. He, in fact, was betrayed by his own friend, Judas. All his disciples scattered and left him by himself. 
He became the outcast. He became the guilty one, although he was completely innocent. And it was on the cross that Jesus, the just and righteous one, dies for his enemies. Substitutionary atonement. The just dies for the unjust. The perfect dies for the imperfect. The righteous dies for the unrighteous. The godly dies for the wicked so that we can be friends of God. So if you are not a Christian, right now you are an enemy of God. You stand in opposition to God. But the amazing thing is that today you can become a friend of God in Christ Jesus. There is not a sin too great that Christ will reject you for. He will by no means cast out any who come to him by faith. So that your status will change from being an enemy to being a friend of God. Look at Proverbs 18, 24. It says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is that friend who sticks closer than a brother. He will never, ever desert you. He will never turn his back on you. He will never forsake you. And even when you sin against him, if you are in Christ, he is committed to you. He is loyal to you. He is faithful to you. And he will stick close to you. Until we understand that we were once enemies of God, we will never appreciate what it means to be a friend of God. And this is actually what helps to cultivate deep friendships in the local church. So what does it look like? Well, so now let's look at biblical friendship. Biblical friendship. Uh, one of the, there are so many different characteristics that make up a biblical or godly Christ-centered friendship but I'll give us a few. One of them is patient, patient. This is Proverbs 17, sorry. Yes, Proverbs 17, verse nine. A friend loves at all times, but a brother, oh, sorry, wrong verse there. I got 
Anyway, whoever covers an offense seeks love. And he who repeats a matter separates close friends. You think about how we continue to sin against each other. And a godly and biblical friendship, a Christ-centered friendship, is one that actually is patient with one another. Now, I just want to say something briefly here. This is not a sense of, well, this person is hurting me or abusing me or mistreating me, and I need to look the other way. This is not what this verse is speaking of. Because if that is the case, then that is something that you should separate from. That you should speak to a pastor or another brother or sister in the church and say, this is what I'm going through. So seek help and seek safety. But in other contexts, you must remember that God has shown us so much patience He is so patient with us. And so we are called to be patient with one another. And we do so because we are driven by love and we actually love one another deeply because of what Christ has done for us. So that's something to pray for as a church, as people who compose the local church that we would, we would seek friendships and that we would be a people who are patient with one another. Another one is, another characteristic is wise. The Proverbs, of course, talk a lot, a lot about this. Proverbs 13, 20, we read this earlier. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Think about how you spend time with people who are wise. As you walk with them, as you spend time with them, you learn from them. And so it's important that in the context of a church with people of various ages, that the older spend time with the younger and the younger spend time with the older. That there are, there's a lot of wisdom for us to behold and to grow in as a church. That in fact, regardless of how old we are, we all need to grow in wisdom. Wisdom that is centered on the very word of God. That of course points us to Christ. Worldly wisdom will lead you astray. And we're bombarded with that on a weekly basis, on a, on a daily basis. The world will constantly preach a message that is contrary to the word of God. So how will you and I know how we are to respond or behave or to think in certain situations is as we sit under the preaching of God's word that we learn and as we have conversations with other brothers and sisters in Christ that is centered on the word of God. 
What should I do in this situation? How should I handle this situation? It's wisdom. And even as we were reminded last Sunday, right, Christ has become our wisdom. He is the wisdom from God. And so when people give you advice, it must always be grounded in the very word of God. And last, truthful, truthful, Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. This might be one of the most challenging things when it comes to friendships, because sometimes it is difficult to tell someone the truth because we fear that they are going to be hurt by it. But the, but the amazing thing is, is that as these verses show us, it's actually a good thing to rebuke a brother or sister in Christ in love. God is concerned about the purity of his church. God does not sweep sin under the rug. He has already dealt with sin on the cross. And so we, as his people, then are called to speak the truth in love to each other. That's difficult sometimes. But this means as as you see your brother or sister in Christ who has a a pattern of of a specific sin that you address that with that brother or sister. Say, brother, I noticed that you seem to be always angry. You seem very bitter all the time. These kind of traits are unbecoming for the Christian. Is there some way that I can help you and and pray for you and come alongside you so that we can kill this sin by the power of the Spirit? And if that's something that we're actually not used to, it's going to be really challenging at first. But this is what produces fruit in the local church. People that are committed to one another for their good, for their spiritual good and their spiritual growth. The Proverbs contrast a open rebuke and a hidden love. Meaning sometimes we don't say anything and we think, you know what, I'm just not going to tell this person anything but I'm still going to be their friend and love them. But the truth is, if we really love them, we will tell them the truth. Think about this in the context of evangelism. You have friends who aren't Christians, who don't know Jesus, who right now are enemies of God. Perhaps it's a coworker. 
Perhaps it's a neighbor. Perhaps it's a classmate. The most loving thing that you can do, the most loving thing that you can do is preach the gospel to them. To show them the hope of Christ. To show them that Christ came to save sinners. Sometimes they hurt. As verse 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. The only wounds that we should have in the context of the local church is speaking the truth in love. Not wounds and scars that come from hurtful words out of hatred. Profuse or many are the kisses of an enemy. An enemy is just going to flatter you. This is going to say how great you are, how beautiful and amazing you are. A true friend will tell you and point out your sin, but they will not leave it there. They will remind you that Christ has covered and atoned for your sin, brother or sister. And that's what's going to motivate you and I to pursue Christ. And then you just go down to verse 17, one you might be familiar with. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. You think about the, the mutual friendship there, where as we spend time with one another, we sharpen each other. Theologically, spiritually, we help one another grow in Christ. It's amazing that, the, that Christ has came to save a people for himself. And then the means by which these people grow is one another. Biblical friendships in the local church will help a church to flourish. Deep roots in Christ are foundation and our church marked by deep friendships as we actually invite other people. And so we pray that our church, our local church, will be marked by deep friendships that are centered on Christ. Because there's much work to do in Mequon and Cedarburg, Port Washington. Grafton, River Hills, Germantown, all these places are filled with people who do not know Christ. And so may our church be a light to our community. Let's pray to that end. Father, I pray that our hearts will be stirred up with the truth that Christ is our friend that he is committed to us, that he loves us, that he cherishes us. And so, Lord, I pray for those of us here who are in Christ. I pray, Lord, that we would pursue godly friendships. 
I pray that we would be a people who are committed to one another, committed to Christ and, and your word. And Lord, for those who are right now stand as, as your enemies, I pray, Lord, that you would change their hearts. Help them to see their sin and the beauty of Christ. And Lord, now as we look to the table, as we think about the bread and the cup, Lord, I pray that we will be reminded again of the beauty of the friendship that we have in Jesus Christ. And I pray these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You can take out your newly furbished communion cup and bread. You know, it's really amazing that at the Lord's Supper, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, it's in the context of betrayal. There was one who was at the table. One who was unclean. One who was going to betray Jesus into the hand of sinners. And so this reminds us, too, that this this table, the Lord's Supper, is, is not for those who are enemies of God. That is, if you have not yet trusted in Jesus Christ, if you have not placed your faith in Christ, you are not welcomed at this table. However, Jesus does call you to come to him. That if you do trust him, if you do put your faith in him, this table will be for you. But Jesus has instituted this for his people. Those he has shed his precious blood for. And Jesus, when he's speaking to his disciples, he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You think about that as we are about to partake in this. That Jesus loves us dearly. That he is eager for us. That he's actually looking forward to the day where we are going to be with him and have this amazing feast. And so Jesus... On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, 
saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Meaning, brothers and sisters, your sins have been forgiven. They have been paid for. They have been atoned. They have been washed away. And you are clean. Let's drink together. Let's remember that every time we partake in the Lord's Supper, we together as a church, we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful that we can be reminded of all of what Christ has done for us on our behalf that we might be reconciled to you. I thank you, Lord, that though we were a one-time disobedient, enslaved to sinful passions, that you have showered your mercy and grace upon us. You have regenerated us. You've given us new hearts that we might love you and love one another. And so, Lord, I pray that we will be reminded of that today and the rest of this week. I pray today, even today, Lord, that there would be new friendships formed, that we would pursue one another deeply and diligently. We love you, Lord. Would you form Christ in us? And we pray these things in his precious name. Amen.